You're listening to Parenting Our Future. I'm parenting expert, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in all different areas of your parenting so you can create strong connections with your kids, get all the cooperation you want, and live a life that is full of joy and connection. And by the way, the tools and solutions that you're looking for in your parenting don't just live in each episode of my show. They're also in my free membership site, The Parent Toolbox, where you can access tools created by myself and my brilliant guests that cover everything from helping your kids to sleep, managing meltdowns, reducing overwhelm to getting your kids to listen the first time and so much more. Join The Parent Toolbox so you can download and use the tools that are ready on the site and Each week, a brand new tool is added. And of course, the best part is it's absolutely free to join and to stay in. You can go to www.parent-toolbox.com today. Now let's dive into this next episode of Parenting Our Future. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Parenting Our Future. It's Robin McMahon here. And how many of you have thought you're not a good enough parent? have thought you're not a good mom, a good dad, have thought your kids are out of control or crazy. Well, we're going to talk about the thoughts that you have and how we often over-identify with our thoughts and think that they are truth. And it's just not the case. I have a brilliant person on today. I have Amy Johnson here. She's a psychologist. She's a coach, an author, a speaker, and she shares brown, groundbreaking new approach that helps people find everlasting freedom from unwanted habits, anxiety, and self-doubt via insight rather than willpower, which is so great. She's the author of Being Human, The Little Book of Big Change, The No Willpower Approach to Breaking Any Habit, and just a thought, a no willpower approach to ending self, self-doubt, sorry, self-doubt and making peace with your mind. In 2017, she opened the Little School of Big Change, an online school that has helped thousands of people find freedom from anxiety and habits and live a more peaceful life. Amy also shares the no willpower approach in her top rated podcast, Changeable, and she's trained over 70 coaches in her coach in her, sorry, in her change coach training program. And she has been regularly featured on the Steve Harvey show at Oprah.com, as well as the wall street journal and self magazine. My goodness, Amy, thank you for being here. I'm so honored to have you and to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me, Robin. I'm really excited. (laughs) I wanted to make sure I got through all of your, um, all of the stuff that you've done. Sorry, I stumbled my way through that a little bit, but it happens. Um, (laughs) And notably too, you're also a mom. You have an 11-year-old and a nine-year-old. And so you're in the thick of it with the rest of us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um, look, I I know that um, without a doubt, so many of us are so hard on ourselves when it comes to being parents and we think and have thoughts of comparison to other people. We think we should do things. We think we shouldn't do things. We, you know, we really beat ourselves up in our minds and in our thoughts. And um, I want to talk a little bit about why do we do that? Because your you come from the same understanding that I have, which is, um, I, and, and when I read A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, he says in there that 
the mind is Maya. The mind is crazy, essentially, is what that means. Meaning that it's all full of a bunch of noise. And oftentimes when we have a thought, we think it's the truth and we believe it. And then we take that on and that that changes the way we we feel about a situation, changes the way we react and respond to a situation or a person. So can we kind of talk about why our minds are like this? Like, where, what is the mind? Where does it, where does all of this noise come from? Yeah. Oh, it's such a, I mean, I can't think of anything bigger and more important really to talk about because no matter what we're doing in life, we, we have a mind that's constantly like just giving us information and almost all of that information. I mean, it's not even some of this information, it's all information in some way, but I think of it as like this narrator, it's almost like just commentary, right? So it's this constant commentary, this constant narration Mm -hmm. on everything that we're doing. And at the center of that narration is me or in your case, you, whoever's Mm -hmm. listening, it's us. So it's not like our mind just says, you know, oh, those children are very well behaved right now. It's like, yay, you, you finally did something right. Your kids are being good. It's going to be a good day. Like, you know, it's so biased and chock full of meaning and past and future stuff. And just so, so much, so much of that, you know, and that's why we get so easily sucked into it. So I think it's such a, such a big thing to look at how, you know, and maybe a good just sort of way into it a little bit is to just sort of notice how every one of us seems to have this constant narration going and, and what we're sort of taught in a way explicitly or implicitly is that we need to listen to that. Like, like it seems really important. It seems like it's, it's talking about us and our lives, right? Mm-hmm. It's very personal. It's talked in the first person forever. It, it says, you know, I and me and all of that all the time. And it'll come up with a problem like, oh, this isn't working out right. And then it'll instantly come up with a solution. So it's, you can see all the elements there of how we get so caught up in listening to this little narrator in our heads but it's so huge to see that it is Maya. <laughs> like yeah, it contradicts yeah. itself. It's super opinionated. It changes its opinions all the time. So to start to wake up to like, whoa, maybe I don't have to listen to that. Maybe it's not actually guiding me as much as it claims to is like huge. Mm. You know, and I think as parents, we have a huge responsibility um, in terms of the words we use to describe our child to them, the way we share our thoughts about our child, because that then becomes the, the record that plays in your mind that, in, that that is part of the those thoughts, that voice in your head, right? And that voice is not very often very nice. Why is it not nice? <laughs> I think it's not nice because it's, you know, the mind and the brain are two different things. The brain's a physical organ. The mind is who you could ask a million people and get a million definitions, right? Yeah, but what is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 we, can, we can feel the effects of the mind, but we can't find the mind because it's not a physical thing. So it is, you know, I don't know, again, how exactly how you define it. I'm not sure it matters, but we know it when we feel it. We know it when we hear it. It's this mm-hmm. constant chatter, this constant labeling, categorizing, talking, and, and they're, they're intertwined, the mind and the brain, because our brain's job is to just keep us alive, 
period. It doesn't care if you're happy. It doesn't care how well behaved your children are. It just needs, I mean, its primary job is to keep you physically alive. So to do that, it needs to know stuff. It's on this constant mission of getting certainty and predicting because the more it knows, the more it can predict. So it's almost like our brain and and our mind in a sense is out trying to get certainty and like uh, complete these, these kind of models, these predictive models of what's likely to happen. Now, not to go into this too much, but, but we can see why this is the case because 200,000 years ago, when the earliest humans were trying to survive, if there was a rustling in a bush, you needed to be super alert and say, Whoa, this could be dangerous. So those are the brains we have today. A brain that has a strong negativity bias to answer your question that says, "Uh oh, something might be wrong. It is just so quick. A brain that's constantly looking ahead and saying, what might happen? Where could there be a problem? Now, in today's world, there's not, you know, thing, not woolly mammoths jumping out of bushes to eat us. There's not tribes. We're not starving to death. Hopefully most of us for the most part, like, so we don't need that, but our brain still does all that same stuff. So it's really sort of evolutionary is what you're saying. Like our brain, yes, our brain is wired to keep us alive. So I I hear what you're saying, Um, but it's outdated. We need it. We need a software update is really what we need. Isn't it? Isn't it true? Because because if we're forward thinking, we're in anxiety oftentimes, right? And if we're always looking for the next thing to hurt us, well, of course we're going to be in anxiety, but that is outdated. Now I will say that, and and I'd love your thoughts on this too, that with the pandemic hitting us, it has increased anxiety because there actually is something out there to get us. And so the anxiety is actually more appropriate in that case, would you not say then um, just day-to-day life? Like, cause we, we want to be, cause it, it's meant to keep us alive. It is, but when we're feeling anxious and there's nothing in that moment to do, that's not helpful. So I hear, so oh, you're right. Like the, okay. the alertness and the knowing a little bit about what's going on and taking protective measures, totally more important in a lot of ways now than it maybe was before. That it's kind of like, again, think about like the cavemen. If, the, if you felt some fear, you just ran and then the fear was gone. Right. So we know they didn't sit around in anxiety. They didn't worry. It was immediate. Now with the pandemic too, there's not often immediate. It's like we see something on the news and really what's going on is we're thinking, what if, and oh no, and that's not adaptive. Now what is adaptive is make some smart choices. Right. But, but in that moment, we'll do, we'll do what we need to do. Yeah. I mean, I remember thinking like, are we going to get it? You know, like, how is this all going to play out? And You, you can't think your way through it. Right. But like you said, your, your brain's job is to keep you alive and collect knowledge. And the more it knows, the more it can predict. Right. And I think that was the biggest struggle with what we're dealing with now is that we didn't have anything to compare it to. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. So it just spun and spun and spun and it yeah. had no outlet for that. Yeah. 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 And so you have a way to get us back which we're going to be talking about, right? To get us back to not over-identifying with our thoughts. I want to ask you though, what are your thoughts compared like versus intuition? How do you know the difference? Because I find that hard sometimes. Yeah, I do too. And I don't know that we 
ever can. There's no perfect litmus test that I'm aware of or that, you know, that's not always in one camp or the other. But I think in general, you know, when we we've all had that feeling of it feels like a dog chasing its tail in there. <laughs> like it's yeah. just nothing again, nothing's being resolved, which is the difference between fear and anxiety. If there's nothing to do, you're sitting in anxiety. If you're if there's something to do and your intuition is showing you that it has action built in. Like oftentimes when we just know something, we're already acting on it by the, you know, we don't have to sit and think and we don't have to decide to act on it. You have a bad feeling about something, you're, you're sprung into action. Hmm. And in thinking, we tend to not be. In fact, thinking, a lot of heavy thinking seems to have the opposite effect. People will be paralyzed in thinking. They'll feel frozen in their thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like those circular thoughts that you get in the middle of the night when you're worried about something and you just, just go over and over yes. and over again, the same, the same thought. Yeah. Um, okay. So you say in your book, which uh, just a thought, this is the, the book that I have from you, which I, which I, I've already started reading. And I think it's really interesting. Um, you say nothing you think is the truth. Yeah. How can that be? I know. <laughs> How can that be? I know it's so crazy, but so, you know, again, it's to kind of see that, that we have this, I call it the narrator. Sometimes we have this, this sort of narrator that's in there, uh, giving this commentary on everything. And if you notice, this is my favorite example, cause it's so concrete. How often do you reach for a sweater and then your mind says, Ooh, it's cold in here yet you are already reaching for the sweater. So, so like what I'm saying is like, we, we like your question about intuition, like we're kind of lived, we kind of do stuff. We don't need this commentary. And in fact, the commentary tends to be kind of after the fact, it's more of just a mind coming in to try to make sense of things and give us this sense of security and like, you know, explain things. And that's all just brain activity. That's all this logical machine that wants to kind of tie everything together and give it an explanation. But really in life, for us to do well and just survive in life, we don't need those explanations. They're not even all that accurate. So <laughs> they're really not, you know, a lot of times they're not. So, so, so the explanation machine, the meaning-making machine is in there churning 24-7 all the time. And again, we're at the center of it all the time. But just notice how your thoughts completely contradict at times, how radically they change at times. You could, you could think, wow, I'm on top of the world and then I'm such a loser two minutes later. Like, I mean, it really shifts around a lot. Mm-hmm. There's no way that what any one of us thinks like a thought isn't the truth. It's a, it's a reflection of some old memories and sensory information. It's, it's a, it's a mind spitting out a representation of something, Mm. but it's not the truth. Now that doesn't mean that if you and I, you know, look at my cup, we won't both agree. Oh, this is a plastic cup. Like Mm -hmm. on some level, at some generalized level, there's, there's enough that our language can agree upon, but hmm. even you and I and everyone watching see a different cup. We always hmm. see a different cup. So, you know, our brain has to generalize and say, okay, yes, cup, it's some greenish bluish color. We could definitely argue on that if we wanted to, Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. you know, we all have a totally different experience and that's just of a cup. I mean, 
think about other stuff that's more personal and real to us, like how we're doing in life and what kind of parent we are. I mean, it's just such a mess. And yet we've sort of evolved to, again, kind of like our mind just generalizes it and says, you're this kind of parent or you're this kind of person. And we just buy that. We don't even question it or examine it a lot. Mm. Yeah. So, so I think what, what, you know, what you're saying too, is you've got to take a second and notice your thoughts, right? Notice them, notice that are they true? Are they not true? But also recognize that we are seeing the world through our lens, not the lens and that everybody's lens is different based on my past experiences, your past experiences, the listener past experience, right? Um, Is that, is that what you would say? Yeah. I mean, think about it. Just knowing that there's always a filter, always, we're always seeing through a lens and you're right. There's almost 8 billion lenses and 8 billion lenses are changing second by second. That's huge. (laughs) We are seeing through like a hall of mirrors, you know, and we don't treat life as if it's a hall of mirrors. We believe we just automatically, and again, there's good reason for this. It's efficient and all of that, but we just tend to believe everything we think. So I think what you're saying is right on. Yeah. It's funny. Even, even you showing the cup, I was like in a nanosecond, I'm, I'm noticing, okay, that cup looks like it could be a Tupperware cup. That reminds me of when I was a kid and other people had Tupperware. We never had Tupperware. How come we never had Tupperware? What was that about? <laughs> you know, I never got that for my kids. This, now we don't have those kind of cups, you know? Oh yeah. We have the Lego cups. Like, right. It's like, but I also think that, and, and this has been my experience in the work that I do, that the thoughts, when we really believe them and we really buy into them can often cause us a lot of pain. And, uh, and so, you know, I'll say to some, some clients of mine, and I'd love to get your feedback on this, but, uh, you know, talking about them having limiting beliefs, right? Thoughts that don't serve them, but that they believe it. And, and that because they believe a statement or a thought like, um, you know, I'll never be a good mom, or I'm, I'm, I'm ruining my kids. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I'll ask them, like, what does that make you feel when you say that, you know, and they'll feel powerless, they'll feel frustrated, they'll feel defeated, they'll feel disrespected, they'll feel, you know, all of these things. And I, and, and so I sort of, I, and I, again, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. And what I sort of describe to them, I use my hands to talk. I love images. And I, I say, think of it like there is literally a train running through your head and there's bunch, a bunch of train cars as, as it goes through your head. And you've decided to get on this train car that says, I am failing my kids. Yeah. And in that in that car, you it's filled with misery and self-doubt and all of this stuff. You can get out of that car. You can choose another car that says, you know, I'm doing the best that I can. I show up every day for my kids, you know, and that has a completely different energy around it and a completely different, you know, um, group of feelings that hopefully are more empowering. And and also it has to be true, of course, but that's kind of how I describe it because the, the thoughts will change the way you feel about a situation and how you react to a situation. Yeah. And on that train, 
all the scenery is consistent with the train you're on, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I'm a horrible parent only goes in one direction. And so everything <laughs> after that, everything from that moment forward is seen through that filter. And you yeah. can, and that's when we kind of find ourselves in these big holes where we just think it's just hopeless. And so clearly this is the kind of parent I am. It's because our brain just gathers the evidence to support what we're thinking. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I was about to just say that the brain goes in search of proving that to be true for you. Like, oh, that's what we're believing now. Oh, yeah. okay. 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 Let's believe that. But actually you can say, no, I am showing up every day for my kids and that matters. And then your brain will be like, oh, okay, we'll show you that. Because like you said, your brain is there to keep you alive. It doesn't, it's not there to make you happy or sad or whatever. Right. Yeah. And what I think is really powerful in that even is, is kind of seeing, okay, when we believe something that is a highly distorted, tiny little fraction of the expansiveness that is who we truly are, like if our <laughs> true nature, okay, if our true nature is this oneness, one energy that is all of us. And yes, all kinds of things manifest in that, but we're all made of the same thing. We're all expressions of the same thing. When we jump on a train that says, no, this is really who I am. I'm not God, life, consciousness. I'm this little bad mom over here. Oh my gosh, of course that's supposed to hurt. That has to hurt because it's so incredibly limited and that hurt gets our attention. So if you're on a train that hurts, it, it's, it's not an exaggeration to say that is a lie. That's why we suffer is because we are thinking of ourselves, identifying with something that is so not at all who we really are. Now, that doesn't mean you haven't made bad parenting choices or, you know, like we're not going to argue at that level. We've all made mistakes. It's not about that. It's in the bigger sense of things. None of this thought stuff is who any of us really is. So just so noticing from your feelings that you're on that train is like, oh, okay. Um, you might not even need to try to go jump on another train, but you can just see, oh, look what my mind has put me in. Yeah. So, you know, that was where I was at, right? When I first became a mom and I was miserable and hated myself, uh, was stuck in a shame spiral, like I'll do better, I'll do better. And there I go, I yelled, yelled again and shamed my kids. And now I hate myself again, even more because here I am again. And, uh, you know, again and again and again. And, and I know so many parents like that too, right? And of course my job now is to help them out of that because that, because what I love about what your work is all about and, you know, what you say is that peace is your birthright, right? It's your yeah. birthright. So how do you get out of that then? If you are so in it, how do you, be, and your brain is certain, proving it to be true for you. Like that's a really tough spot. It is, it is. And I, and I think, you know, we're all up against that. We're all in our conditioning and we're in our psychology. And, and I, I don't know, for me personally, and what I've seen with people I work with, like the way out of that is to just, insightfully see what's going on. It's just see how it works because it's hard when you try to jump in and fix the psychology, like to convince you in those days that no, you're actually okay. It might've felt good for a minute, but that's not what you believed. So you're mm -hmm. back, you know, and sometimes it can even backfire and you're like, no, really look at yeah. what a horrible mother I am. So, you know, to convince, like to be in the level of our psychology, like our thoughts mm -hmm. and feelings and try to change them. Again, there's a time and place for some of that, but I think we can go deeper and we can see, wow, 
we are all, we are living in a sea of thought and no mm -hmm. thought is the truth. And we have this amazing feedback system to show us when we're really attached to some thought that is not even close to the truth, we're suffering and we feel stuck and like all of that. That's why, you know, people suffer and they feel stuck. They, they look for something out of that. And often they, they get pointed beyond their psychology, like, oh no, none of that is who you really are, you know? So I, yeah. think, I think we have to look bigger, you know, than trying to tell a nicer story and see, oh, this is just what minds do. Minds tell mm. stories about us. They're very negatively slanted a lot of times, but that's yeah. not the truth of it. Okay. Okay. So what I hear you saying is that the signs are that you are stuck in a thought that doesn't serve you, that isn't true is if you are suffering, if you are depressed, if you, you know, if, yeah. if, if would you say if it's affecting your mental health and all of it, your physical health, yeah, yeah all yeah. of that, yeah. that means you're over-identifying with a thought that isn't true. Yes. And, and, and it's human. So don't feel bad human, about yourself yeah, for that. Yeah. But yeah, it's like this beautiful wake up call to show us that. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Okay. You know, and, and, and actually as I got again, you know, with the clients I work with too, as I guide them through these thoughts, because those thoughts color, how they see their parenting, how they get triggered, yeah. you know, all of that stuff. And so what I always ask them is what is it costing you to have that thought? What is it costing you to hold on to that thought? And yeah. oftentimes it's everything. It costs them everything, their peace, their joy, their relationship, they're feeling good about themselves, their confidence, their marriage, you know, whatever it is, like it often costs them everything. And that is just, it's not even true. Right. Yeah. And that whole negativity bias that you talk about is really there because it's the negative things in our programming that are supposed to keep us that are dangerous. And so those, um, it's more important to, to make note of what is dangerous because that's going to, you know, help with our survival. Whereas the beautiful flowers and the, you know, the, how sparkly my child's eyes are, that's great. Yeah. And that has nothing to do with my survival. That just is something right. else over here. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. um, so it isn't, so what you're saying is it's, it's important to know the way your mind works and recognize that we all are like this. Right. Yeah. And, and to start to get a glimpse of, and just maybe for some people, it's just being curious about the possibility of this uh, for others that might be really easy, but to see that again, we aren't our psychology. Like, be curious about what's there beyond your thoughts and feelings. You what know? do you mean by that when you say we aren't our psychology? Can you clarify that? Yeah, like, like we all experience this flow of thought and we all have brains doing everything you just said and all of that. We have bodies that are machines and that are doing whatever they're doing. And somehow we're able to, to be aware of all of this. We aren't that. We're, you're not, we're not our body. We're not our mind. We're not our thoughts. All of that comes and goes and changes all the time. And yet there's something bigger that, that a sense maybe only that feels like it doesn't change. That's aware of this whole thing. There's times when we're so identified with our thoughts and other times when we tend to just almost pop out of them a little bit, like when, and what's even reflected in our language, you know, when we're like, like, oh, I noticed my mind going down that path again. That yeah. might not feel super enlightening, but that's a step removed. 
who's noticing yeah. your mind going down that path again? Oh, so you're yeah, not yeah. your thoughts, you know? Right, totally. Mm-hmm. And that's where things go really deep. And we can really get into that deep, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> that totally reminds me of another quote in, in Eckhart's book, like, who is the I am or I am. Yeah, anyway, it's, yeah, let's not go there. Let's not go there. Just right now. <laughs> Make all the heads explode. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, so, okay. So I think like, and the mind and the brain, I mean, is incredibly powerful, incredibly powerful. And so um, one of the things you talk about is raising your kids with an understanding of the way the mind works and the brain works, right? So what what is it that you uh, would teach the parents listening about what to teach their kids? Yeah, it's such a funny thing because in some way, in a lot of ways, our kids are better teachers for us, right? Like they, they got it down. I mean, I remember learning some of this. I'll, I'll go into it in a second, but like trying to like sitting down my four-year-old, you know, at the time and saying like, oh my gosh, your thoughts, they're like bubbles and you don't, and they just pop and you don't have to pay attention to them and they come and go. And she just kind of looked at me like, duh, mommy, (laughs) I know this already, you know, like, cause we all we're designed with this kids don't hold on to thought until they learn how to, they aren't mind identified. They, they live in that expansiveness. They live in that, that one single consciousness Hmm. until their brains develop and start saying me, me, me. And then the world reflects that back to them. And now they're conditioned, you know, now they start going down that path. So, and that happens around the age of two, give or take. So so all of us, you know, we know, we intimately know that space. We're just pretty far. We feel like we're far away from it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the irony in it is in some ways, yeah. especially little kids, they'll just sometimes look at you like, I don't, you know, you need this. I don't <laughs> like, I know yeah. how to handle my emotions. Um, but I do think as kids get older and all of us, you know, we get mind identified. It's like, that's kind of how I like to say it. And especially at that preteen teenage years, it's like the ultimate of mind. Everything is about them. And again, so understandably, they're just trying to, it's their poor little brains trying to figure out where they are in the world. And so there's so much that comes on them. So I think, you know, again, I'm sure everyone listening knows, you know, better than anyone, like as parents, we, we're not the best ones to be teaching our kids a whole lot of anything. Cause if, if it's coming from mom or dad, they're probably like not all that interested already, but right. the more we can not do it in a preachy way, but just little things like, like kind of help them see, um, you know, thoughts just come and go. You don't have to manage them. And, and just cause you think something notice how yesterday you know, you thought the opposite. You think all these kids are mad at you at school. Yesterday, they were your best friends. Like maybe you're wrong. Who knows? You know, you're not wrong, but maybe that's just what your mind's telling you today. And tomorrow it'll tell you a different story. Little things like that, I think go a a really long way. I like that. That's just what my mind is telling me today. That's what your mind is. I think that's just what your mind is telling you. That isn't necessarily what's true. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Because we, you know, kids would have thoughts like us, like everybody hates me. Nobody wants to play with me. Yeah. Uh, Right. And that's just not true. Right. No. Well, I mean, it it is whatever it is like, like maybe the kids don't want to play with them that day, but, but the thing is we don't feel like, Oh, you know, Joey and Becky don't want to play with me. We experience, I'm not good enough. I'm being shunned. They, I don't fit in here. 
that's what hurts, not the fact. The fact is neutral, but the right. meaning that our mind attaches is yeah. what we feel. And that's not the truth. Why do so many of us think we're not good enough? Oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, again, I, I have to think it's just that protective mechanism of the brain that we are the center of our brain's universe. Mm-hmm. And it just wants to make sure we're double, triple good. So it's very sensitive to anything that goes against mm. that. I don't know. I mean, that's one way yeah. to see it, I think. And and, and I guess if it's always looking through. for more, 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 then how can you ever be good enough? Cause we still need more. Maybe. Yes, exactly. And when we're listening to our mind, it's always kind of has that promise of how we can be good enough. You know, if you notice that, like, mm-hmm. it'll say, oh, you're not a good enough parent, but if you were yeah. like this person or you did Unless, these things yeah. or you were different in those ways, then you'd be okay. That's sort of the trick of the mind. It'll, it'll knock you down lovingly you know, in its own, with its own good intentions, it'll knock you down and then it'll give you 50 solutions. But what mm-hmm. that does for us as humans is it keeps us in there because we're like, oh man, I'm not good enough, but oh, get that one more degree or do this other thing. And then I will be, and and it's the never ending. We'll never win that game ever. Right. And so just to say to yourself, the story I'm telling myself is I'm not good enough, but that's not true. Like I, I, I use that all the time. And I know that's from Brene Brown. So it's not, I'm not taking credit for that. Or I like what you've just said. The mind is telling me this, but that just isn't true. You know, my mind is, my mind is making sense of this and saying this, but I don't think that's true. And I think in relationships, that's important too, because I'll say to my husband, like, this is what I, this is what, this is the story I'm telling myself about what's happening here. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and sometimes like, I'll, I'll notice that, you know, look, it's not being, it's not easy being married to a parent coach. That's for sure. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, he'll, he'll say like, well, I, I think you think I'm stupid or you think, you know, you're treating me like I'm a kid or whatever. I'm like, babe, that's your stuff. Like that's, I know I would never do that to you. Like I would never talk down to you or treat you like that. I don't think that about you. Right. So it's so interesting. And that was a real conversation that we actually had. Uh, and he's like, oh, you know, it was like, oh, you know, so it's great because the more I know about it, the more I'm able to articulate it to other people too. Right. Yeah. And that that's a perfect example. It kind of goes back to like how, uh, what we think is never the truth. Cause I mean, you could yeah. be ta- both like you made some statement and it's a fact, but you both had completely different experiences of it. So it's like yeah. all the meaning that our brain attaches in that that's always personal. And almost always, again, a a knock on us in some way in our own heads. It is just not the truth. It can't be. Well, and I live my life with the knowing. And maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. But it makes me feel good is that nothing is ever personal. Nothing is ever about me. Never. It's always the other person's stuff that's going on with them. It's a reflection of their fear, whatever, Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, but it's never about me. And so therefore, as I parent my kids and one of them comes up to me and says, shut up, mom, I hate you, you know, which doesn't happen often (laughs) it has, but, uh, and it's like, whoa, if you can come from a place of not taking that personally and actually say, okay, what's going on? How come you hate me? You know? Um, or like, whoa, you hate me. Oh my goodness. You must be so upset right now. Or you must be so, you know, enter the emotion right now. Then you can find out what's really going on. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. When it gets personal, when it feels personal to us, oh my gosh, then the filters are really on because now we're defensive and we're scared and everything else. But you're right. When we can say, man, how many times did I tell my mom I hated her? And I didn't. I was just angry. (laughs) You know, because I mean, that was about me when I said I hated her, right? Right, exactly. Oh my gosh. So, so telling our kids, you know, how their mind works is important. And then what about, you also talk about like uh, raising them to understand what their emotions are showing them too. What is, uh, can you explain that? Yeah. Well, I think um, again, kids with emotions is so interesting to me because again, in the early years, they, they are like just champs because that's how we're designed. It's our default state where they'll feel stuff. And, you know, like they, you have more than one, they get in a fight and they hate each other. And then they go their separate ways. And then within minutes they're bored. So they come back together and they're best friends again. And like Mm -hmm. kids are just amazing. It's just things moving right through them. You know, there's such models of that for us, but what they're showing us is like, Hey, this is your design. Adults would be just as good at that as kids. If we weren't identifying with our thoughts. So our thoughts are saying, no, you were wrong and you shouldn't have done that. So we don't forgive and forget in 20 seconds like a kid does. Yeah. Not because we can't, not because we're different, only because we're holding on to the stories. So, mm-hmm. so in a way, again, those early ages, our kids are our teachers, right? They just show us exactly how emotion moves through in 90 seconds. And it's just easy and incredible. And then, then later, sometimes we can kind of come in to show them some things, but I think the biggest thing is like we were saying earlier that, you know, if a kid feels embarrassed or shame or anger, all of these emotions are fine. They're just expressions of energy moving through them. And as, as adults, like we tend to get afraid of our emotions. And again, our mind isn't telling stories. What does it mean that I'm this angry? It's a problem that I've been sad. This is depression now because it's, I've been sad for too many days. Like our mind makes yeah. that stuff up. And so our kids grow up watching us kind of tiptoe around emotions or push them away or be afraid of them. And, you know, again, that's kind of our, our work to do probably more than theirs. It is our work. Yeah. And, and I think, you know what, it is the work, right? I think it's the, the, the life work we all really want to do because like you said, peace, joy is our birthright, right? It's really our default state. So if you have a child who look, we've got kids that are over-identifying with their thoughts too and causing that, like they have limiting beliefs too. So that, and that comes in the form of self-doubt. It comes in the form of insecurity, right? For us, for our kids as well. So you say in your book, you say you aren't insecure. You just think you are. So I don't, I don't get it. Tell me, tell me about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, no person is anything like this whole thing. This is what a brain does to say, Oh, I'm Amy's brain. And Amy is this and this and this and this, and that like how, but how often am I not? Like I can call myself an introvert and I feel like an introvert a lot of the times, but I've been extremely extroverted at times. I'm not an introvert. Right. Like, so, and I think that's true of everyone. Like we can, we, our brain wants to put these high, highly generalized labels and traits and put all this together, but to start to see, oh no, this is all very fluid. It's yeah. just stuff we're feeling. A little anxiety, a little this, a little that. And unfortunately, uh-huh. I think, especially today, it is such a issue with kids worrying and feeling a lot of anxiety. 
But then, you know, kind of the flip side of that is now we're very quick to look and say, oh, do you have anxiety? And we try to, you know, we mm. kind of are well-meaning in doing that at times, but now the kid has an anxiety and now it's a thing they have that they start identifying with. So I think, I think all of life is just incredibly fluid. And, yeah, and again, I'm not saying there's not a time and place for a diagnosis or treatment or anything course, like that, but just to see that even that's at a highly generalized level beyond that, even someone who's having a lot of anxiety has moments of peace. They aren't. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. You're yes. Oh, I so, I so understand what you're talking about now. Okay. I think that's, I think that's so important to recognize that our brain wants us to compartmentalize things, to organize things, and therefore we label things. And actually that stops us from seeing the truth and stops us from seeing who somebody really is or who we really are, right? Like for for example, I'll I'll take it to the to a parenting uh, thought here, where you know I, I look at my child and I see her being bossy, and now she's bossy, yeah, right? Or I see you being um, whiny. Well, you're a whiner, you know, right. or you took that thing and you're selfish, or you know whatever, right? Because we we just need to make sense of it, so we label it, but then that stops us from seeing what really was happening. Right. And that my child is, is a go-getter, you know, instead of bossy, you know, like reframing that whole thing allows you to see them in a more positive light. So, so can we use our brains? Yeah, I guess I I, want to ask a question that I'm not sure how to ask it. Um, But so we can determine our own reality, right? Uh, well, I don't know. Our thoughts determine our reality, I think. That's what I mean. So can we control our thoughts to the point where we can create our own reality that is more positive and more? In my opinion, no, I don't know how to control thoughts. I don't know. I don't seem, I don't feel like I have control over my thoughts. Now, now maybe we can, we can, it feels like we can play with some reframes and do some of that stuff, but control is a big word. (laughs) I think if we could all control control the, 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 like the, the nonstop barrage of thoughts, but we can control how we identify with them. I think we can see more about how all this works. Like we can come to not identify with them in a sense. And then when we're not identified with our mind, we're identified with that bigger, that bigger shared part of us. And what I was just doing was I needed to put that in a box and say that like, definitely. And that's just not really true either. Right. So it's, it's always like um, a work in progress, right? Is that more accurate than it is? Yes, we can control it. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Right. But it's always that we strive to notice them, you know, separate ourselves from them, not over-identify with them. Yeah. Yeah. All because that brings us more peace and more joy in our life. Right. Yeah. I think the more we just see, yes, that it's, everything's just so fluid moving through us, always changing. We're conditioned to grab onto stuff and our brain is designed to grab onto stuff. But if we, and and even while it's doing that, we don't have to take that so seriously, you know? Mm -hmm. So like when you do have, because my mind does that with my kids, right? The thing, and it's always the things that I'm afraid of them being like, I don't want them to be bossy like I was. So if my daughter looks bossy, I'm like, oh no, there's a problem coming. Now that's all my stuff, right? That's all my thought. Now my brain's still going to do that, 
but I can know, oh yeah, that's what a brain would do. I know that there is no such thing as a bossy person on earth. It just doesn't exist. So it's almost like the more we kind of come to see, yeah, how all of this works, your brain still does what it does, but, but you kind of just take it less seriously. And then it just, you know, then things keep looking a little more fluid. I like that. I, I like saying, nope, that's just, that's just my brain. It's, yeah. it's just the way the brain works. It's, I don't have to, I don't have to, yeah, I don't have to, I don't have to spiral out of control in my brain. Right. So, you know, I know I asked you a lot of, of questions and I want to kind of see what, what is, what would you like our listeners to really understand as some, just some final thoughts. Ah, There's a thought word again, but just so, you know, just some final words and thoughts just to help them if they're in a, in a tough spot right now and they, they feel like they are not, thriving or, or, you know, I think to see that we, every human on earth is designed to thrive. It it, thriving is our nature. And that goes for us as parents and for our children. So Mm -hmm. when we think our children aren't thriving again, that doesn't mean they don't need some intervention or, you know, that's wonderful, but they're designed to thrive. When we feel like we aren't thriving, any of us, it's more that we're sort of in the way than that we need to do, you know, it's, it's thriving is subtractive. It's not additive. There's nothing we need to add. There's nothing we need to bring in. We thrive by nature. So the more relaxed we are, the less we're interfering, the more we're just, just flowing through life. We're naturally thriving. Again, we see this in little kids. They're naturally thriving because they're not in their heads, making everything mean something. So hopefully people kind of can come away with this, with just a little sense of that fluidity, that sense that we're designed to thrive. And that along the way, as human, as thinking human beings, we get caught up in stuff for sure. We suffer, we struggle, we get identified, but we have this amazing feedback system that's showing us when that happens. And And the feedback is in the way of any kind of discomfort, anything that looks like a problem. It's just there to wake us up just like a hand on a hot stove is there to wake you up, take your hand off. So, you know, us running around in a, in a circle, feel like we're chasing our tails as parents is there to say, Hey, maybe there's another place to look like you don't listen to just all this circular stuff your mind is saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've got one last question for you. Thank you for that. Um, what, what just came kind of screaming into my own mind is accepting, like accepting what is. When you say we are built to thrive, does, does it help if we come at life instead of being at war with what is and uncomfortable with, with what is, but actually coming from a place of, okay, it just is. Yeah. I love that question. And I think, I mean, I think it's probably obvious, like that would change everything. It would hundred percent change everything. Now it's hard to do, <laughs> like, how do we do that? Right. Is kind of the follow-up question, but that's what mm-hmm. I love about like this conversation is when we see that it's only our thoughts that don't accept. Again, mm-hmm. look, at a, look at a tiny little kid. Like they're not out there saying, oh, life wasn't supposed to go this way. This isn't how, at some point they are. And then they have a temper tantrum. Mommy was supposed to buy me that toy. She didn't buy me that toy. I scream it out and now I'm over it. So they do learn like, no, oh, I have my preferences, but there's just this natural 
flowing that happens. It's only thought that, that, that doesn't accept that says life should be different than it is. Trees don't yeah. say that. Nothing in nature says that as far as we know, who knows, but you know, it takes a human mind to say this shouldn't happen. And that is all suffering. Right. When was the last time you saw a tree fighting to hold on to its leaves? Right. Exactly. Exactly. It, it just it just doesn't. It just accepts. Okay. It just yeah. yeah. Uh, oh my gosh, this is such a great conversation. I'm such a geek about all this stuff. So I know I love it, and uh, and I just uh, you know, and I'm aware of my thoughts too, and I, and it is the work, and it's an ongoing. It's ongoing. You know, it isn't. You just got it, and that's it. It's, it's an ongoing practice. It's a practice. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great oh thing God. to explore. You know, it's interesting. Hopefully, people find it interesting and just to explore. So. Yeah. And what's so great about your book? I have it here. It's it's small. It is you know it's to the point. You have stories in here. Um, you talk about your your own experiences too. Uh, there's a great story about you and your um, husband when you were first together, which is which is super fun. So it's called Just a Thought a no willpower approach to overcome self-doubt and make peace with your mind. Okay, Amy Johnson, you are wonderful. Where can people get this book? They can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you buy books. Okay, that's fantastic. And all over the world? Yes, all over the world. It's uh, it, it's uh, in Europe, it's going to be out in early November, but it's out most of the rest of the world right now. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for being here and sharing with us, um, you know, that the mind is Maya and we don't need to believe it. Yes. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace 